Heaven hi! Hello, this feels a bit awkward. Rum doings face-to-face live in the actual human flesh. It's like when an estranged band that hasn't recorded for <laughs> 15 years suddenly gets back into the studio and you just can't get the energy. Naked as the day we met. Yes, indeed. What episode is this? Rum doings 175 episode podcast at rumdoings.facebook.com At rumdoings. You suddenly, we've been doing this for... Five years. Five, over good. five years. That's ludicrous. We had our fifth anniversary in August and didn't notice. So tell me then. The topic. Yeah. The topic today is when will someone finally stand up for the good old British cabbie? <laughs> there was somebody actually on Facebook, which I saw over somebody's shoulder the other day, who was arguing that um, a true socialist would be very opposed to Uber and <laughs> would be marching for the black cabbies. So there you go. <laughs> Ma- racist. Mass- ew, racist pig. Um, except for the Chinese, you, they're aliens, as you as you said. You remembered that the other day, didn't you? I my did. Chinese are aliens, uh, 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 and the blind. Whom you to hate. any Chinese listeners, yeah, I'm not apologising. No, I'm not, I'm not saying inferior. They could be a they it's could a vastly superior alien race. Exactly. Who That's what I'm saying. Looking at us with the contempt we deserve. Exactly. I like the idea that there would somehow be something inherently negative or. Um, prejudice yeah. about that statement as if humans are so as brilliant. if i call something against aliens oh talking about humans and aliens oh, yes. you 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 had one didn't you i had a baby alien yeah isn't that crazy it's the first podcast since i became a daddy yeah it also like... means we haven't recorded for four weeks sorry it shows how lazy you are we recorded. i have no time. nick for normally it's my fault i concede but nick has bailed on so no, many no, recordings no 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 you no no i sorry i recorded live with you about a day after no James that is Ball. true i'm not quite sure how and looking back, I have no idea how no, you were capable exactly. of Exactly. Remember, we, we even had the smart price stuff. I ended up seeing a mental health nurse yeah, after you, the first week of having a I, 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 I used wrong doings to deal with my problems. <laughs> you, went, you, 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 went, I went into, you went insane. Yeah. But it's good that you've been talking about it, because lots of gentlemen do go in slightly insane or this more of yes. their babies. It's the, pre-existing... The unknown discussion. Pre-existing depression or OCD conditions. So anxiety is more OCD than it is yeah. depression. Um, you know, maybe uh, prepare yourself. Well, exactly. So don't. Yeah, that's my top tip. Don't wait until the baby's born to seek the professional yeah, help that it'll you be so bit, desperately need. It'll be a bit busy. At that point. <laughs> bit Turns busy. out you're slightly less than helpful to your uh, partner yeah. when you're a gibbering wreck on the sofa. Yeah. Oh, just the worst thing about it was that it would affect my movement speed. So I would stumble around the house like a 400 year old man. Really? Oh, it no, was no, so no. Genuinely, to look back on. No, but I'm genuinely interested. How? What? Is it like just, you're walking through molasses? What? Yeah, it just felt like I was so weak. It was difficult to stand and walk. See, never having gone through that specific set of things myself is just how it affects you physically is interesting. It's like what? What? You just are drained, like you've just given blood or but something. But I think for me, I cannot say this for anyone else. But for me, it's self-indulgence. That's why I found so bad about looking back on how I was behaving. So I had physical, I had very strong and severe physical symptoms of anxiety. Well, what are those? Very, it's just very difficult to breathe, uh, panic attacks. Was well, it hyperventilation or uh, even the holding pain, your breath? It's painful to breathe. My chest hurt, it, like it was burning all the time to breathe. And then controlling what? my breath was very difficult. Well, how do you know you're not having a heart? Maybe you just had a heart attack. Maybe. Well, no, because none of it's real. I psychosomatically Well, it is real. Part of my anxiety over the years, and I've only realised this now, I've psychosomatically generated uh, sciatica. Which wow. is phenomenal, because I did not know what sciatica was before I got the symptoms. Looked up my symptoms, discovered the sciatica. So my brain somehow generated a realistic condition. I've had the tests for it, mm-hmm. and I have no physical symptoms. They, the whole, um, they do the reflex test on your legs, mm-hmm. and there's different ways to spot it. No, none at all. Gosh. And it's, it's entirely psychosomatic. And the reason I know How that clever. is because when I get it, I can move it around. I can move the sensation around by thinking about different body parts. You should adapt all that for gaming. You should adapt all that for some sort of superpower. If only it could be used for good. No, for gaming, like for sensory. Oh, yeah. I've been shot in the leg. Yeah, exactly. And just feel it slightly. When I was talking to the nurse, she was saying, and this is fairly obvious, I suppose, but she was saying how very often people with anxiety disorder, undiagnosed, can go for years through treatment for different ailments because their brain will generate them. Traditionally, back pain is an Mm. obvious one. Or even just a limp, uh, a problem with a particular organ, something like that. And they can go for years for tests and operations before anyone stops to ask. Do you, have, do you have any OCD anxiety? See, I don't symptoms. want to believe that because it just sounds too convenient. It's like, no, you, you can't do that, really. There'll be some little bug or some, uh-huh. little, uh, some little allergy or whatever. That and will you actually, can you, well, your brain can generate a rash if it wants well, to, if it believes it's going to get one enough. No, apparently it can certainly develop Sorry about boi- the chair. boils and blisters and things. I know ah. that there are... 
it's absolutely amazing. And it's only the stigmata thing as well. You can mm-hmm. actually. Well, that said, you see, you've got to stop yourself from then getting to the next step where your brain can levitate you into the sky and predict what the lottery is going to be. You see, <laughs> it's so tempting to then move on gently yeah. to that bit. So, so, the, the so it caused about... you physical slowness. Well, that, so, you know, so or okay, you just so felt saying, weak, like if you had to lift up a big heavy thing, you just couldn't. Yeah, exactly. So, the, so the physical symptoms of of a painful chest. Never get, the slowness thing. Oh, the, but the slowness, I think, is self indulgence. The slowness is I'm going to enjoy how rubbish I feel and how helpless I am, and I'm going to be in a situation where I need help. And I think a lot of it kind of comes down to that. This, if I'm desperate, if I'm pathetic enough, I will be looked after. And, I, and of course, Laura, just having given birth and having a baby in the house, was in no position to look after me. But also, and it was maybe finally, that's when she shouted at me, that I snapped out. But maybe that's also when your subconscious is saying, "Hold on, I'm the baby here. I yeah. deserve to be looked after and yeah. mothered, and mummy needs to be looked after." But I suppose it's and it's humiliating to look back on to know I was being that that. But you selfish. were. But you weren't. I mean, it was your. Uh, you know, you weren't choosing to do no, like no, that. No, no, no. In fact, yes. And given the choice, I would have been. Because, but it genuinely, I had a weird pattern. So it was. It was so actually. You know what you're saying here? Somebody who basically told you to snap out of it and put yes. your socks up, it worked. Well, no, but it's always worth it trying. Worked to, to, it worked to a degree. So what happened was... And the, uh, and the, mass, of, and the mass of addictive drugs as well. They had the, the selfishness stopped when Laura just called me on it. In the nicest manner. She was very loving, but very strict. Yeah. And, and, she caught, and that, that's what... The, the physical symptoms the, and the sheer terror that I was in didn't go away as a result. But I started doing something about it. I started fighting back. I think it's um, good to acknowledge the self-indulgent yes. nature of it because then you can also recognise it sooner and I think panic deal with attacks it. can be self-indulgent too. When you have a panic attack, you don't choose to have a panic attack. No, of course not. Once it's started, choosing to, for it to get worse, for me, feels a lot better than Well, it could be more cathartic because exactly. you can just, oh, I'll just flow with it. And feel, it's like being in a whirlpool, being sucked mm. down the middle and you just see down the middle is this black nothingness and if you mm. fall down there, which is hyperventilated essentially, you pass out mm. and that feels great. But mm. to keep yourself and fight your way back out of the whirlpool is actually a lot more hard work. So you can self-indulgently want to fall down into the blackness. Mm. And so that's, again, a thing where I think... And, and, and this is my experience, and I have no idea if it's true for anyone else. But in the end, so, yeah, snapping out of it was a big part of it. However, that didn't change the fact that I was having a, a, a week-long anxiety attack. And what fixed that was going to the doctor, getting prescribed diazepam, which is someone who doesn't have any addictions and has never had a problem with alcoholism or drugs. coffee. Is a safe thing to use very temporarily. But extremely dangerous. It was drug. useful, wasn't it? And what I needed, what I realised I needed, was a um, big slap. You no, know, was something on to your give, body to get something to give me a chance to get on top of things. So I couldn't because I was stuck in this anxiety attack and it never stopped. I couldn't do any of the things that I would normally do to fix to get myself safe. By taking this drug, which just pu- pulled me back down a few degrees, meant I could now start doing all my learned practice tricks yeah, to get I myself think, in control. I think your anxiety was starting before the baby was born, about a week or two before. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm sure If you listen to the episode yeah. about a week <laughs> before, you were very highly strung and you were being very easily riled. Okay. Uh, beyond, uh, beyond even the, my trolley was, uh, hold on, something's not mm-hmm. quite right here. And I, so I think you were kind of preparing yourself and it was... And then, of course, it happened, and mm-hmm. the, you know, it wasn't the, the 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 most stressful birth in the world, but it wasn't completely straightforward. Yeah, it was a very scary birth. He he was the midwife was frightened. Doctors and specialists were running in and out of the room, and I was watching. Laura, fortunately, had gas and air, and her eyes closed, and but also lots the, of hormones all yes, over the place. I was watching the frightened looks being passed back and forth between the staff, and that was because he was his heart rate was slowing down to less than half with every contraction. And so they were very concerned about brain damage. And that was my number one fear going in, was that he would... So is he brain damaged then? Doesn't appear to be. No, so, that's good. I have a friend who... Well, he's not left-handed, so that's a good sign. <laughs> I like Judith. <laughs> a friend's uh, older brother was, when I was a kid... A friend, of my, a, teenager, a friend of mine from when I was a child, his older brother, had been strangled by his umbilical cord when he was born and was permanently brain damaged by that. So that just, I just remembered that all through the pregnancy. That was my little go-to. What if he gets strangled by his umbilical cord? And then when they were saying, oh, his oxygen's gone, and that was just like, oh, wow, thanks. Thanks, reality, for playing directly yes. into my number one ira- mm. irrational fear. Mm. Um, but the mm. delivery team were absolutely extraordinary. He came out in the end. 
And Von Tust him out. Did you see him being pulled out? I very much saw him coming out. Was it was it horrific or interesting or Both. just a relief? It was horrific, not horrific in terms of the gore. The gore was spectacular. Who cares about the gore? Yeah, At one point, I took a photo of the gore to show it to Laura and then deleted it because I thought she's never going to see it. Otherwise, no, no, no. How, how much this looks like a horror movie just in yeah. place. But that wouldn't bother me. That's where Alien came from. But the distress it was causing Laura was really traumatic for me to watch. Mm. It was like watching her in so much pain and so much fear was really awful. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> it's a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah. I would say He's better that now. the night before he was born, so he went, we went, got into hospital about three. Yes. And he was born at 6.48. Yes. Um, was the worst night of my life. I think I'm fairly, no. feel, yeah, I can't remember a worse time watching the person mm. I love in so frightened and so much pain. And all the fear that something was going wrong. There was first of all they thought he was first of all he he meconiumed inside the womb, so they thought he was going to have to go to a specialist unit in Bristol. Mm. And then they thought he was breech, even though because they couldn't find his face, but turned out he just turned around the wrong way and tipped his head up. And then they then they the heart rate thing, and they were worried about and they had to do a test blood test on him while he was still inside. And it was like non-stop fear. I remember half past five saying, I need to go to the toilet, running out the room and phoning my parents and, go, and crying down the phone at them for five minutes, pulling myself together and going back in again. And what did they say? Uh, they were brilliant. And then, of course, then Stop it, your nonsense, get back in there. No, they were just very supportive, saying it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then, of course, what I hadn't thought of is that they were then, couldn't get back to sleep, and was terrified that their grandson was going to die. So they called him at seven in the morning and said, he's alive, everything's fine. So they had a lovely hour and a half that morning as well. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, that's what your parents are there for. That's what, of you course. know, they're there to be, you know, as my mum says, you know, Johnny doesn't get better after 37 years. You don't get any less worried, only less scared. No, and of course you're, uh, you know, your boy will do that to you. Exactly. and yeah. Unless he turns out to be infertile or a gay. They, oh, you they mean can't. for children? No, I thought no, just meant worrying me. He'll do. Oh no, no, when he phones you about his. Oh right, yes. Well, his his, his wife or husband are producing. Uh-huh. If his husband's giving birth that day, that well, we you never know what will happen. Who knows, Nick? What's going to happen? In what will happen in the liberal intelligentsia's future? <laughs> oh, so it turns out your countrymen are stupid. Uh, your countrymen too. First of all, your countrymen by adoption and your countrymen by birth are stupid. You're twice as stupid. <laughs> we found out who you're... It's yeah. not Don Foster anymore. Remember, oh, we gosh. talked about Don Foster before, who's yes. the, the turncoat Liberal Democrat MP who, who turned evil. I've moved to a town that's halfway between Bath and Bristol. And then just late... Because it, it's officially part of Baines, which is Bath and North East Somerset. But it's also officially part of Bristol. There's No one knows quite where this town actually exists. Mm. Um, well, somebody does. It's MP, and on its MP turns out to be the MP of outlying Bath areas, Mr. Jacobs Rees Mogg. And he was, as I just said on Twitter this afternoon, if if he were fictional, you would call it bad writing. Yes, he, he hates so evil. He hates the gays. He hates the smoking bans. He hates the poor. He hates oh. every everything. Every the Europe, the, the foreigns. He's a big <laughs> Alan Bastard cliche, and he's got <laughs> Jacob Rees Mogg, our father William Rees Mogg. Oh. And his nanny helped him canvas. <laughs> mm. Oh, he's so and so unctuous as well. Mm. I saw him at a church fete earlier this year. Of course you did. And he was so. He's a slimy. Did he remind you of Jesus? Creature. He did not remind me of Jesus as it happened. Oh my goodness! Jesus has turned up to this church. We <laughs> went to the church fete because it just looked like it would be the quaintest church fete of all, and it really was. It was such a. It was a. Run by very lovely ladies, and then and their knitted coffees and hand sewn biscuits. Yeah. It's just it was just really like them. There was Jacob's mom, all slimy and holding his kids and being a family man for the cameras. And I imagine, I imagine he'll turn out to be a kiddie fiddler. And I don't imagine that. I imagine that will not turn out. Oh come on, he's so obviously a paedophile. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that he's not a paedophile. Well, you were fairly for legal certain. reasons. You were fairly certain that uh, Jimmy Savile wasn't. Well, either. I still have my doubts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's hard to even joke about it. We can't. He's innocent until proven guilty. Charles. Jimmy Savile went from this horrible, slimy weirdo on the TV. Yes. To actually, the to Satan, actually Satan. Yes, he's like you can't even because he was such a caricature of ghastliness mm. in life. The idea, he's almost like your your brain can't accept the depths of evil that he no, reached. He but was the, but he was ev- actually evil. No, the thing is, we did discuss Jimmy Seven before he died on this podcast, and I was 
pointing out the way he was, and I think you basically were suggesting that no, we shouldn't judge him just because. No, he's I was weird. suggesting for legal reasons. I don't want to get sued. In I called space. him out. I called him out. <laughs> in fairness, that you cast that net fairly wide. <laughs> I think to have a caught, have caught a couple in that net <laughs> yes. doesn't really prove a great deal. I caught my little slippery fish. Paul Gambaccini was back on the radio, back on Camp Point was, last he, week. He was being proven innocent. He was proven innocent. That was a nasty little thing. That was it's ri- that. He turned out to be a gayer, not a not not a. Uh, Who he turned out? Is there a, could there have been a more widely obviously gay man? Yeah, oh, the, yeah, the head of Apple. Oh, that's who suddenly cool. came out and said, "Who oh, I am against it." Yeah, we've known. Yeah. you don't need. I love it. That's my favorite coming out story. The ones who was like, uh, "Yes, yeah, yes, yeah." Gay I me. thought I no, it's the ones <laughs> where you think, "Hold on, I thought you came out five times already." Anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, Paul Gambaccini was back on Counterpoint, which I was disappointed by, because I much prefer the other guy, other presenter. The straight one. <laughs> I don't know, I don't, don't know if he's straight. Look at his picture, I'll show you his picture, and you tell me if you think he's straight. I can tell by the photo, but if you've got the mark of, uh, Kane on them or not. <laughs> Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Um, here you go. Can that re- can that be the face of a straight man? Impossible. Impossible. It's not allowed. Isn't it, it be the allowed. loveliest face? Just looking at his face makes me feel all cosy and You'll happy. have to link to it in this what episode. Is, I can't remember his name. Oh, I'll have it here because this is the, the Russell Davies, not Russell T Davies, who I believe is may also Very have some strange, homosexual yeah. tendencies. Yeah. Uh, Russell Davies, who is uh, presents Brain of Britain normally. And he took over Counterpoint when Paul Gemmachini was having his unfortunate time off. Yes. But I thought that was really good of Radio 4 to bring him back on as soon as possible. Yeah, as soon as it was possible to bring him, rather than damn him with the lies. Yes, which sometimes is what happens. Um, oh, yes, uh, talking about that, you, um, you do remember, don't you? Yes, okay, very clearly. Good. Um, you and yours? What about you and yours? Uh, it's a salon. Yes, they've no, you remember it, to turn on the radio at the right time. Is what I mean. Well, you, that's the thing. It's no, it's no longer on at twelve. It's on at twelve fifteen now. The poor guy. They've what's happening? What's happening in those fifteen minutes? Well, do you know what's happening? Have you? No. Heard? So okay. So Radio Four launched its five-year-long drama series right. called "The War Will Get Us Ratings" or something like that. And it's yeah. the, you know how the Arches is. Yeah. It's just so fantastically awful. Yes. This makes The Archers seem like a, a, like a Tony Award winning mm. uh, play. It's. Um, uh, well, I wanted a, I wanted a, a better simile. I wanted a better simile there. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, well. And a, a, a Laurence Olivier. Uh, he's a bit uh, hammy, though. Uh, a, a, a really good episode of Neighbours. Okay, good. Yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's called Homefront. And it's atrocious. So the idea is, it's, it's going to be this four-year running, five-year running. Oh, I heard of that stretch. Where they the had the, also they had modern London accents playing the, right. the sort of turn of the century people. That, that doesn't work at all. It didn't make any sense, and it was just nasty, stupid rubbish. And it was somehow about a vicar who was having an affair. And like, what is this? As if they would. As if a vicar would. But mm. it didn't. That, that's an interesting story for a drama but it doesn't really seem to be a big World War I theme so that happened at noon doesn't anyway it? so that was on at noon but then it stopped and they've now started using that 12 to 12.15 slot for really good stuff oh. so Melvin Bragg's History of Ideas thing ran there so all these people going into um, some really in-depth uh, thinking right? mm-hmm. and there's some really good stuff there was a, a, a really amazing series of um, shows on semiotics there was one where a guy did a 15 minute show on the semiotics of uh, Nando's Oh right! I, re- I mean, it was where Mal- else? Multi- you- multiculturalism should have been brought up, I imagine. I, it was. It was mostly talking about the. Um, it was very Bartian semiotics, so it was very much what's their unconscious semiotics and their mm-hmm. menu choices and their designs and the logo and where yeah. the history of where that logo comes from and going back into that. And then it's talking about the peri peri thing and the fire and the and the it, constant images of Satan and hell. They run through yeah. all their menus and themes, and it was just it was Bartian bullshit. All oh, swore on the podcast. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll out. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, I'd studied Bart at my abortive attempt at a degree, uh, <laughs> and, and I loved it. I thought it was written, he had so much to say, but people get it in their hands, and they start yeah, using it just nonsense, like a silly old mallet. But, but that was fun. great! Yeah. And where else do you get to hear someone talking about the semiotics of, of Nando's? Of, of Nando's. So that's brilliant. But people are furious. Oh. People writing into... Uh, you and yours! Not in, there people writing into the other one. Feedback. Feedback, feedback. is a testbed production. To, feedback is a testbed production. It's not anymore. It's been something else for years, but it's still... Oh, it's a something else production. It probably is a something else 
Yeah, it could that, well be something else. Yes. Yeah. And in, in tribute to Matthew George, I always call it feedback as a test production because yes. that's how he used to refer to it back in the olden days. Oh yes, talking about feedback as a test but you, you carry on about so, that. So yes, so that people were writing in to say Cops how angry game, they yeah. are that uh, you and yours is twelve minutes shorter mm-hmm. than it used to be, mm-hmm. um, in order to be replaced by these ridiculous programs. It was where they ran the History of Germany series, which mm. was again was massively lauded yes. because it wasn't about the wars. It was the actual mm. history of Germany, other than, mm. including the wars, but other stuff too. So they're using it brilliantly. So the whingy, whiny Daily Mail radio show is t- 12 minutes shorter, and apparently that's a bad thing, and BBC's having to defend Well, maybe Winifred is angry. I imagine she's very angry. Yeah. Can't imagine anything that makes her more angry. Judge Coxcomb is looking to um, abolish the license fee. It's his latest <laughs> B. The latest B in his bonnet. Now I'm going to swear on the podcast. <laughs> the latest B in his bonnet. Are you saying we, he'd much rather have American telly? Um, <laughs> but what about my radio? Well, that's the thing. I, I was saying, well, you know what? Actually, yeah, bo- abolish what the, the TV, TV license. Just bring a radio license yeah. back. That's fine. Because I think it's, funny enough, I think it's a more important and more permanent medium, really. T- t- telly's looking like it's a bit of a flash in the pan. <laughs> you know. But it, in a sense it is, because... Well, no, it's not a flash in the pan, but yes, in a sense because it's the, done. Because the, no, the notion of scheduled programming mm. that you have to sit down and watch yeah. doesn't really work. Whereas stuff where you're footling about doing other stuff, a schedule still kind of works. As you say, you walk into the kitchen. You don't walk into the kitchen to watch an episode of something. You walk into the kitchen and you can listen to something. Yes, on. yeah. And that, work, that still will always work, whereas... Yes. Sitting, what do they call appointment television, right. just increasingly doesn't work. Well, I mean, it's become so preposterous for me that like, on Monday nights, 8.30 only connectors on BBC Two. Obviously, I don't tune and watch it then, especially now I've got a baby. But even you know, before that, I had a Laura. Mm. You can't sit and watch TV, can't pause, because she might need to talk to me about a smell that she remembered or something. Or one of her Big colleagues who did questions. something very dull. Yeah, yeah it's very important yeah. that she remember that at that point. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, why would you watch anything on live TV? What if you need a wee-wee? Oh, we have to, but at my grandmother's house, we watch uh, Strictly Come Dancing with her live. But, but she's... A grimacing, listener. But, a grimacing. She's, but she's now got uh, they, the Skyman installed a new box where Ooh. you can pause. She doesn't want it. And she doesn't know how to do it, but you can pause the live telly. So even she now... I desperately want TiVo. I really would love yes. to have TiVo. Well, because, mostly for the noise. Oh, really? I don't know. How's Laura? Oh, I guess. Is she, is she an okay mother or a terrible mother? She's a really good mother. Really? Yeah, it's very instinctive. I know, I'm dead surprised. Because yeah. what else is she good at? Yeah, that's interesting. And is she, is she enjoying it or is it a bit of a pain in the ass for her? <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask her that. I think, we're, I think we're both really loving it, but we're also both really tired. Yeah, please don't be one of those people. Every two minutes you're going on about how to you're not allowed to. No, you need to. That's again, you must well go on. Oh, have you ever noticed how the how all the wires get tangled up in the drawer? <laughs> they do, Nick. How do they not get it? No, I am tired. Therefore, it's the thing I need to report. Yeah, that, but you were always tired. Yes, John. I was always tired. Yeah. But you you have to remember that you get by, by on five hours sleep, and so therefore you were pre. It's true, actually. And I don't want to. I, I kind of, if I go to bed early, I just wake up earlier and that's it. Up time. I mean, it's I don't know I, I now, I do just wake up at 7.15 mm. every morning, no matter. Mm. Well, I managed to get back to sleep. I had a little lion this morning. What with the fact that yesterday I, was, I, could, I could barely walk around. So anyway, so yeah, so you're now tired, believe it. But let's, 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 let's accept the tide. No, no, yeah, beyond exactly. that, let's, let's but, just, so I think let's just cancel that out in the arithmetic, shall we? There, it's gone. It's no longer a turn. So I think we're both conscious that we're missing our old lives. Oh no! Which is I, that's funny. I didn't have that. You genuinely really didn't. didn't. And maybe having my parents very close meant that we because we could. I remember we went to, when she was about maybe five or six months. We went to. It wasn't that we used the service immediately, but we knew that we could very soon um, say leave her at my parents okay, for a couple we're of hours. We're just four weeks in. I think I'm just talking about really minor things like being able to pop to the shops without having it to be a thing. Uh, or uh, just go out for you know, should we go out for dinner? Like, oh, okay, and we, we, we do, but we're now getting to that point where no, we, we do where we could do that. Nonsense. I think we didn't ever feel that we couldn't. We didn't allow ourselves to feel we couldn't, so we did just go no, out quite no, I, soon. And I no, think, no, I mean we did, we and we did. We were really good at going out quite soon. But what I mean is, the what, hour, the hours work it takes to get through the front door. Oh no, but I always found it difficult to put on my shoes anyway. So it, wasn't <laughs> much, it always took about an hour before we left. <laughs> you anyway. do take an hour to leave the house. That's true. Exactly. So yeah, nothing so, yeah, really should, Jason. You know, you, you were in a sense unlucky that you were quite an efficient house leaver before. <laughs> I had the, Whereas now you have the bag the size of two universes. That's right. And indeed the baby that will just poo his nappy at that moment. Yeah. So I think the thing, I think the worst, at the worst of it was the point at which we were, um, 
we were forced into the feeding regime by the Nazi midwives. Yeah, I did warn you. I know. But you can't. You just have to go through it. It's this is like, the thing. You have to do it. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you, you know. I, I even, we, we burnt ours. It's a pity I didn't. Because I would have been good if I could have given you ours and just show you, look, look, they do. At least you didn't have the green poos. Ours That's had the green poos as an excuse. So we've said to our friends that you will, your baby will lose, like, Toby lost 0.4% more than average and therefore, we were put onto a three-hourly feeding program with formula top-ups. And it's funny when you th- at the, when you're going in at the time, it's the most important opera in the world. My God, my baby's about to drop dead. Mm-hmm. But then you do at the four hours later and think, oh, for God's sake! It's, it it makes it, I'm so angry about it because. And you should be. This is yeah. righteous anger because it's not actually what's supposed to happen. They say such dumb things like. Uh, you know, is he weeing lots? And say, okay, well, we don't know because nappies are too efficient. So, okay, so we're told to put a little cotton pad inside the nappy. No. Turns out, don't know. Turns out that works. So it's really wet. No, there's a squidgy nappy is the thing to think. If it no, 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 like no, 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 no. With, with the newborn, the weeds are so small and oh, the right, squidgy is too good. Okay. So, uh, but well, so don't but, put on any nappies. Then, little, no. <laughs> with a little bit of cotton in it. Okay, that wet. And so it's nice and wet. Yes. Okay, he's weeing lots. That's great. So then they were really happy about that. Saying so if he's weeing lots, that means he's, he's eating plenty. You don't need to worry. No, it no, it doesn't. Colostrum is tiny amounts. He's weighing lots because he's breaking down fat cells that he built up during the last couple of weeks of pregnancy for water because he doesn't need to feed for the first yeah, few that's days. His job because he's self-sufficient for the first he's few ketogenic. days. He's ketogenic. And that's where the water is coming from that he's weeing. How can you not know that? And that's what makes me so angry. So they, they freak out because, oh, he's not getting enough colostrum. He's not getting enough... There isn't enough colostrum. The colostrum provides him with vital nutrients. It does not provide him with sustenance. It's not, he does that That's why himself. human babies are born peculiarly fat. It's, it's, it, your, the Lord Jesus has a candle. <laughs> exactly. Job. And then after three days, three or four days, the mother's milk normally comes through, at which point they rapidly re- regain the weight. That's well, what it he can, did. It can take... It can take longer than three or four days but yeah. a baby even under very conservative um and risk averse uh model can they that it should be allowed to lose up to 10 percent of its birth weight no not up to 10 percent is the average weight loss we got to 10.4 percent and that's when they yeah. broke down 15 percent is no no you should expect off. it to, uh, yes. to lose 10. yeah and 15 yeah. percent you need to stop worrying yeah. okay i'm ex- happy with that 10 point Four percent. I'm fine. fairly sure you don't need to be on that's, three that, hours. That's the weight of a of a wee. So we were on a yeah, exactly. We were on a three hourly feeding regime, which meant that we had to feed him, and feeding him was so difficult. And the thing is, you, you don't feel you he know had, at the time it's ludicrous, but you feel. Uh, look, yeah. if if I if I disobey this and something goes yes. wrong, then it'll be. I've one, just got to be on this bloody said, railroad. One midwife said to me the words, "You have a choice. You can." And this was just to me as she was leaving the house. Yeah. She said, "You can either give him formula." Or he can go to hospital and have a tube up his nose, and that's a, not only is that's actually that a threat, that, that's unthreat. They would never put a tube up his nose. No, in that that's situation. actually that's actually abuse. That she, and she should be reported. I, I'm worried. I'm wondering about that. You no, know, no. And Victoria, who works at the NCT, just for so that she can get better training. Our or whatever. NCT leader was furious. No, just so they can yes. get better training. Genuinely, that's mm-hmm. not because that goes against yeah. everything. It's not surprising, actually. I've I've looked at midwife and health visitor journals. Every second page is a formula advert. Right, they're a human, and they're not immune from that. And I, I'm gonna, and the other thing was, someone else said that he, if he gets too dehydrated, he'll get brain damage. And so when you, someone says that to you about the baby, it doesn't know how much you know about formula. I wish know we, how much you know. You will do it. You will in do retrospect, in retrospect, if we'd have known this, I would have uh, had Victoria drive up here, <laughs> move in, and do karate chops. <laughs> but anyway. But, yeah, so you, you, you got you got through the hell, and but, uh, yeah, he was only on formula for two days. Yeah. Um, and I want to st- I want to stress that I'm not like formula is evil. If you, uh, I am though. I think formula is evil. I know you do, but because it, it kills lots of babies. It, it's better, so but it's I better. Think. It also keeps babies alive. You can't if there is. A well, sick, no, but that's only because of evil. Rescue. That's only because of evil. Because there should be milk banks, and those were closed. But, you know, down. of course, yeah, that's true. So that's in fact, it is evil. There you go. There you go. You'll admit it is evil. Yeah, but no, I'm saying some people just have to use it, and I hate the idea of them feeling guilty and condemned. No, if you have to use it, I prefer you use it. Then your baby die of starvation. Exactly. I think that's fair enough. It's a fair enough thing. But 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 it it is sad. It is sad that so many people are bullied or conned Mm -hmm. or. Uh, pressured into using it, and also that there aren't proper milk banks available because during the HIV scares of the um, of the eighties, mm-hmm. some there was a lot of lobbying. You know, let's get these; these are dangerous. Let's get these shut down, and the whole thing that had been built up over decades was destroyed it's like really that, and they've never brought back. So it is sad. We've got a fridge. If you want some formula, we've got a fridge full of it now. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll it lasts for a year. I'll so have a cup. Good. I'll have a cup before we, we were go. thinking. We just we've got a bunch of friends who are due. It doesn't taste very nice. Actually, I tried it once. It's not very nice. So we've got, no, we've, got, we've got a bunch of friends who are due in the next month or two. Mm. So I figured. 
we could give it to them for their emo- their two days of misery. Yeah. Um, before the milk comes through and the midwives are forcing them to do this. Yeah. In, but the, problem, the big problem was the three hourly feed. So it took an hour and a half to get him to feed to any degree. He would take one or two. Did I even tell you about my pearl script before we yes, were? Yes, she did tell me about your So it doesn't matter how much you were worn before. It, no. all, it doesn't matter when doesn't you're in the difference. thing. It's it just matter. a woman, an expert in your house saying your baby will get brain damage. You do what you're told. You, you, you cannot. It doesn't matter how much you. Very do nasty. I, I'm going. To, I'm going. To, I'm going to kick her in the ghoulies. Okay, but I also want to say this. I want to say this first. in favour of the midwives. In despite this happening, and despite the fact that we saw about five different midwives over five days, and. Each one contradicted the last, and that's infuriating. <laughs> yes. So one of them was one of them will say, "Oh no, you don't want to be feeding every three hours. That's madness. So it's ridiculous. So you don't need to worry about formula top ups. That's fine." He's, you know, and then the next one will say, "You do." And and I, we said to one of them, "Look, I'm sorry, but we've been told literally the opposite. So you've told us to do the opposite of what we were told to do yesterday." And her response was, "The baby's needs change day to day." Oh. <laughs> That's very clever. That's very clever. That's, that's such a politician's <laughs> response. Amazing. Wow. But at the same time, so that was infuriating. Of course. And very upsetting. However, at the same time, the one thing that I said to Lottie, when we were home with the baby for the first night, I looked at her and said, we need a grown-up. Mm, yes. We wanted a grown-up. And the midwife coming every day, and we did have every day yes. because of the baby. Wait, wait, yeah, up. so we... That felt like a grown-up coming no, over and saying, you guys are fine. And that made a huge do you know difference. What, do you know what, actually, I found out why they're so terrible at that breastfeeding thing. They aren't taught very much about breastfeeding. Their primary um, duty is really to the mother and to make sure the mother is coping right. and then hopes. So Victoria has received far, far more breastfeeding training than than uh, any midwife has in her normal course of duties and training. Right. So that's why they aren't actually taught that much. And GPs are taught even less because, you know, they're, they're, the term is in general. Mm-hmm. So actually that you shouldn't expect them to know that much about it more than an educated yeah. lady. So what we did was... Lay person, I think. We were very fortunate because we'd done the NCT, the, uh, the breastfeeding expert from the NCT course is amazing and she just was willing to just come over... She yeah. dropped, you know, she dropped. She came over the next day when we called her one evening, and spent an hour, hour and a half with us, just working through teaching Laura different techniques and. and well, and when I came in today, I mean, Laura was feeding Tony. Well, yeah, she's and really it just seemed very calm. And yeah, she's really good at us now. But it's four weeks in. This was uh, after six. Week. After six weeks, you won't even notice she's doing it anymore. Yeah. And so that was, and so we were so fortunate. These, that's what I'm really impressed by with NCT. It's, it's, it's expensive. It's not a cheap course, but it seems to go on forever afterwards. So the lady yeah. who ran the course for us is. We phoned her a couple of times for advice, and she she's offered to come over and hang out. And you know, she runs a baby cafe that she invites us to. And stop all that nonsense! I've got Victoria bought from a charity shop the homeopathic drug pictures book. By pictures, there are no pictures in it. But by pictures, it means it's kind of the prescriptions. So shall I open it up at random? Mm-hmm. Makes me miss the dreams. Right, Guernsey. Guernsey says of arsenicum. Oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> We find a great, um, great amount of anguish in the patient, and the greater the suffering, the greater the anguish. Very great restlessness, which is exhibited in an anxious tossing and jerking, <laughs> every movement being followed by exhaustion. Exhaustion is not felt by the patient when lying still, but as soon as he moves, he is surprised to find himself so weak. I do experience exhaustion after a prolonged period of tossing. Uh, and arsenic. <laughs> and arsenic. So that's what you needed. It may observe that homeopathic treats disease conditions rather than named diseases. <laughs> there is no disease, mild or urgent, in which arsenicum will not be curative. Wow! Provided drug symptoms and disease symptoms agree. I would argue that arsenic, there is no disease which arsenic cannot prevent. No, but remember, this is... It's true. No, it but will that, stop any disease you know, in its tracks. No, but that's the point of it. You know, it's supposed to be the opposite. Uh, the opposite. So, mm-hmm. you know, so therefore, since arsenic will pretty much kill you, <laughs> it, it will cure everything. It will cure it any... It's a panacea. Let's yeah, exactly. Arsenic, let's be fair. Arsenic affects every part of man. It seems to exaggerate and depress almost all his faculties. Oh. It does. To the point of there not being... Uh, <laughs> that's right. It them a lot. Good grief, look how depressed he is underground. <laughs> Yes, arsenic produces a tendency Compressed. to bleeding. Therefore, arsenicum will help you if you have a bleeding problem. This is true. Oh, it's so clever. So there you go. Apparently, it cures hemorrhages. Arsenicum. That's and good. It's interesting. This book was first published in nineteen fifty something. The reprint edition was in nineteen ninety five, and this comes from India, from Delhi. Oh. So obviously, it was a big, big re-release in Delhi. Coffee. Coffee. 
Coffee or crude? Let's have a look at that. See, see what, see what diluting your coffee to nothing will do. For you. Well, I suppose, I suppose. Let, let uh, you're like going to Costa, eh? Yeah. Uh, uh, I suppose actually no. But if coffee makes you jittery and awake, it's probably a sleeping medication or something. If we're using the, <laughs> yes. if we're using the logic of homeopathy, um, I'm going to go and grab a book while you're while you're doing that. I'm right out here. Yeah, anyway, so John's now a father. I can hear you anyway, still. so this John's now a father, and he's probably going. To um, send, send his child to boarding school, I would have thought. Wherein the child, well, yeah, where the, where the child will have many japes and so on. Let me just have a look at good, for, thank you. further examples of homeopathy. Um, it's a very radio. big book. The thing about the big book, this big book, is that apparently it's never revised; it's merely added to. So as people find more and more nonsense, it's just accreted and accreted and accreted, such that it's a store, it's a book of, as I say, pictures or stories. But like it can never be wrong. And it can never be wrong. Yeah, mistletoe. <laughs> yes. One of our little-known remedies, and not too well proved, one gathers. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is a remedy for all cholera and epilepsy. <laughs> so just dilute mistletoe to nothing, and then there'll be no more epilepsy. Something I think we should bring back, and I'm kind of confused that we haven't, bearing mm-hmm. in mind the, the, uh, the desperation of advertising at the moment, mm-hmm. is adverts at the beginning and end of books. Oh, I do like those. So yes. This is a copy of Battle of the Books by Jonathan Swift. Yes. A Castles li- a National li- uh, Library edition from 1886. Uh-huh. Um, and, here, and here it has an advert for wonderful medicine. Beecham's pills. Mm-hmm. So Beecham's made powder and pills. The Beecham's powders, yeah. Uh, and so the powders were um, just powdered aspirin. Mm. Um, and the pills, however, were something else. Um, Beecham pills are admitted by thousands to be worth above a guinea a box for bilious and nervous disorders, such as wind and pain in the stomach, sick headache, giddiness, fullness, and swelling after meals. Oh, we are in the same room, by the way, which is unusual. I said face-to-face yeah. at the start. Dizziness and drowsiness, cold chills, flushings of heat, loss of appetite, shortness of breath, costiveness, scurvy, blotches on the skin, disturbed sleep, frightful dreams, and all nervous and trembling sensations, etc. The first dose will give relief in 20 minutes. This is no fiction, for they have done it in thousands of cases. Every sufferer is earnestly invited to try one box of these pills. And they will be uh, acknowledged to be worth a guinea a box. Oh, it's in front of a book. I for, yes. For females of all ages, these females. pills... Pills is capitalised because it's proper noun. Yeah. These pills are invaluable. <laughs> as a few doses of them will carry off all humours. All, all humours. Well, uh, and bring about... Not like, not like average woman's got any humour anyway. Uh, like, this uh, is even better though. Mm. And bring about all that is required. <laughs> all that is required. No female should be without... I like they don't even bother specifying. Just whatever you want, it'll sort of do it like... Is it easy to the ASA hadn't quite got their teeth in at this point. Mm. There is no medicine to be found equal to equal Beecham's pills for removing any obstructions or irregularity of the system. The system. If taken according to the directions given with each box, they will soon restore females of all ages to sound and robust health. For a weak stomach, impaired digestion, or disorders of the liver, they act like, quote, magic. <laughs> and a few doses will be found to work wonders upon the most important organs of the human machine. They strengthen the whole muscular system, restore the long-lost complexion, and bring back the keen edge of the of appetite, and arouse into action with rosebud, the rosebud of health, the whole physical energy of the human frame. These are, quotes, facts, end quotes, admitted by thousands, embracing all classes of society, and one of the best guarantees to the n- nervous and debilitated is Beecham's pills have the largest sale of any patent medicine in the world. You see, it's good that there's so much text in ad. You wouldn't put that amount of text in ad these days. No. These days you say, these seven weird diseases that these pills can cure, click here to find out more. That would be it. They're worth a guinea a box, but they're only... Uh, 1S, 1.5D, and 2S and 9D each. Okay, good. Can you get some still? You can, you can still buy Beecham's powder, absolutely. Of course. There's lots of ads in here. There's the Schweitzer's Cocatina. Can I have a look? This is Guaranteed Pure Soluble Cocoa. There's an advert at the back for Penny Farthings. Uh-huh. I was so fa- excited when I found this book. To mothers, Woodward's gripe water. Gripe water! You can still buy that too. Not this sort of gripe water. No. Not, not gripe water with gin in it. Which is what, <laughs> the best kind. Which is what this one. Very good. It's a high class medicine though, so that's all right. Um, <laughs> gripe water with gin. <laughs> uh-huh. It's amazing. Oh, look at this. Weren't, weren't books funny in those days? They really were. Yes. Did you, um, 
Where did you get it? Uh, a place called Book Barn, which Book is on the Barn, Wells oh, yeah. Road in Wells. It's not nearly as good as it used to be, sadly. Um, it boasts millions of books, but it used to have some sort of order to it. Now they've, it's much smaller. It used to be two giant warehouses. Now it's half a warehouse. No. Um, it's got a little coffee shop in it now, but it's, it's, it's. I guess if you'd never been there before, it will still hold that majesty of just literally being surrounded by millions of books. It's quite exciting. But it's it's really but a bit sad. It's now, a bit you sad know, if book, you used to know also, how great it used to be. But also, it's a bit sad now that we know books are no longer, you know, useful. Well, no, but they're <laughs> they're no longer the most efficient default, are they? You have to be a bit sentimental to want a paper copy of a book now. Can you, an advert for a penny farthing? How fantastically yeah. exciting is that? But don't you agree? Isn't there something a bit sad about your average book? Now? I don't know. No, because I still. If I'm sat in a coffee shop, I still prefer holding yeah, but, a book than holding a tablet. But Toby won't. No, Toby won't. Um, and I'm very happy to read on tablet. But I still, I st- it's not the smell. The, it's just the practicality of it. There's something more practical I find for reading off paper. What would happen? I guess what would have to happen habit. in order for that not to be the case? What would a tablet have to do to make you happy? I want to be able to bend what the spine. What would it have to do to make you happy? I want to be able to bend the spine of my tablet. Yeah, they shouldn't feel like they'll shatter. I think yes. that's quite, uh, too yes. rigid. When it gets a bit floppy... Smart uh, paper, when that's working when properly. When it gets a bit floppy, yeah. Yeah, what's that? They're making watches using that smart paper stuff I saw in the news yesterday. Yeah. But, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know. Are you looking forward to get Apple's watch? <laughs> no. iWatch? It looks so inelegant. It's a big, huge, chunky so, I'm, cigarette I, box on your hand. I thought the whole the joy of the phone is it replaced the need for a watch. I've never liked watches. I used no, to, when I was a teenager, I had digital watches. Somebody made, somebody made the point. Be, oh, what a good old tradition of having watches. And no, it's just that the pocket watches come back. That's right. The pocket watch is so much. I don't like anything. I don't wear any no. jewellery or any... Where's your wedding ring? Oh, you're a, free, you're a free man. Uh, and I've disappeared, back in to, the, disappeared yeah. to the beautiful women again. But the beautiful women like it when you carry around your baby and your kangaroo poo-poos. This is true. I keep saying to Laura, I'm going to take my wedding ring off and walk around with the, the baby in the, in the swing. Single dad. And we, oh, I'm telling you, you get so much skirt. Yes. <laughs> well, no, you just I get... I creeped myself out. You just get so much skirt. just get skirt. given some skirts. Some skirts. Skirts are thrown at you. Here's a skirt for you, dear. Oh, thanks. Oh, I like, but it's on. It's more comfortable than these... Trousers. Ridiculous trousers. How's your weight doing? Bad. I thought you would be comfort eating your way through your first I'm not, so, no, so I'm not, okay, so I'm sure words. you're a naughty you, boy you, now. Did I ever say how heavy I got on the podcast? Wasn't it 17 or something? Oh, I got to 19.3. Wow, that's I'm still nearly two stone lower than that. Oh, that's an um, achievement. So I haven't, I haven't. Most people don't, are, don't, aren't able to keep that off, uh, keep anything off for a year. So, you know, if you're not so back very, up yeah, to. Yeah, I'm very pleased, but I'm not, I'm still a good couple of stone off what I need to be. I was so close to being under 17 before the baby and then Bloody it went horribly wrong. I'll tell you what though, anxiety disorder an amazing diet. I lost uh, half a stone in that week. Bloody Most baby. Basically didn't eat anything. Yeah, well that's easy. Um, Bloody baby. Ruins everything. But no, we, Laura and I have been very negligent in our diet. No, you, you, can, you, don't, you don't worry about that now and then just get back on the wagon later on. Well, now I'm cooking again because we were very blessed that people brought us food for and the first three weeks you, yeah. and we just ate what we were given. What was the best thing that you got? The best thing... But then you're going to have to say what well, the worst thing was as well so this is going to no, be uncomfortable for you. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, what was the best thing? The best what? thing... I'm trying to... Well, there were a couple of really There's something as well. Oh, actually, this is... I'm a real, I really love shepherd's pie and we got three of those so I was very pleased with shepherd's pie. Which was the best shepherd's um, pie? Who's the best? I think it was James's. James and... and, and uh, James oh. Nevert, Not James Spells. No, James... The other James. <laughs> the other one. Yes. Yeah. Shepherd's pie. Oh, my brain. And my the worst name. thing was that... Uh, funnily enough, the worst thing was the... Um, was the macaroni cheese. <gasps> no! That was probably the best thing, actually. Uh, I've, never ha- I've never had a good macaroni and cheese before. They were a disappointing, Canadian friend, they? A Canadian friend made us Oh, those Canadians know... It every was a, mouthful a was a heart... poutine macaroni Every cheese. mouthful was a heart attack. I've yeah. never had anything so rich. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Of course, it's the flour we had a meat stew. In the the James and Caroline made us a really good stew, and they also made banoffee pie. And Caroline is the only person who knows how to make, make banoffee pie mm. better than me. Was that the banoffee pie that you had at your wedding? Yes. Oh, yes, no, well, it I was. Will, I will agree with it you. It was that, that banoffee pie. See, I'm good at banoffee pie, but she's better. She beats and the so crap had, out of you. We had an amazing stew and banoffee pie from them. Mm. Um, I can see why you put on weight. <sighs> yeah, macaroni, macaroni, oh, the macaroni cheese was so good. 
and they made so much of it that we had a massive meal. When do they? And then a so when do they? The when, when does all this? When does the service stop? Oh, that stops after two and a half weeks. Literally, um, you just do, 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 do. right. That's it. You're on your own. Well, it's it's a really awesome thing our church does. So if someone has a baby, someone will organise a food rotor and just people volunteer. Have you ever done that for anyone? Yeah. And we'll be doing a whole bunch of it more because, as I say, a bunch of people we know are having babies yeah, the next, dull. next couple of months. Some stupid friend had their baby a month early. So Toby, who's the tiniest... To steal your thunder. They've got an even tinier baby than ours. Oh. It's just ridiculous. They do look old. Babies? Yeah, until they're about six months old. I don't know. They look old, they, especially, no, I quite like the little baby, when they get angry and they start looking like angry little old Tory MPs. <laughs> the funny thing is, they're born with the ability to pout. I did not know that. Mm. Toby learned, was born with the ability to curl his bottom lip over and just give this quivering look of, of misery. But smiling takes mm. weeks to develop. Well, yes. That's awful. Yeah. An awful state of affairs. <laughs> This really complex pout face is pro pre well, I, I asked you what the um, most, what the biggest surprise or the and I tell you the biggest. And I forgot, uh, and you, you replied, but apparently I didn't get the reply. Yeah, uh, I can't the, stand you, you self-indulgent misery guts. <laughs> so I was going to say the thing. The thing I was most surprised by was how much I love him. Because I was prepared to That is not. surprising. Exactly. And most people I speak to don't. Exactly. They so kind of, they, 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 they obviously, I feel protective over mm-hmm. it. But it's actually, they, anything that we could love takes quite, quite yeah, a few exactly. months Yeah, exactly. I was very in. prepared to have the normal dad response of being kind of quite, um, not disenfranchised. What's the word? Uh, well, you did. You just did that with your anxieties. You got that. <laughs> you dealt with it. Where, where? I condensed the first six months into a single week. Mm-hmm. Pretty and much, then, probably yeah. what you did do. Yeah. But yeah, so when I look at him and I just love him, and that's really I'm really surprised and delighted by that because I was expecting to go through the the sense of being mm. separate and mm. ugh, I can't think of the word, but yeah, just slightly alienated. Yes. and then you slowly and slowly uh, grow to love him. Yeah, but I don't. I just have this weird instinctive biological love for him that. I can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. So that's really that's my favourite thing. I think Very that's good. what surprised me the most. And what's your least favourite thing? The the least favourite thing is the lack of. I know this is stupid, but it's the lack of positive feedback. Which yeah, is, no, no, that's, no, a, that's fair enough. Yeah, do, so, that's why the smiling is the good thing. Exactly, it's a good so trick they get. Just when you get fed up with that lack of feedback, they bring in the little, <laughs> they bring in the smile, little, little smile. He has for the first three weeks. He had two modes: off and furious. There's yes. nothing between the two. No, there's no. And so it was only in the only in the third week that he began to be able to be awake without being furious about I think that's a movie I think it's a fault of films because in films right. they use older babies to represent newborns you see the newborn just gener- cooing bliss- and, yeah. blissfully cooing yeah. and yeah oh, there is no cooing no, there is no sleep cooing. and screaming and those sleep and anger and so and, and because I done, because for the first few weeks because uh, I was I was off for three weeks for paternity so and we were working it was a 24 hour job for those three weeks because mm. you know obviously it is and so I was doing all the nappy changes, Laura was mm-hmm. doing all the feeds. That seemed a fair division of labour. Yeah, really. And so I was doing, doing every nappy change. But what it meant was... One, Laura, one person was in charge of Laura, one end and one person was in exactly. charge of the other end. But Laura got to take a screaming baby and make it calm. And yeah. I got to take a calm baby and make it scream. Yeah. And I realised after three weeks of that, it was actually really getting to me that all yeah. I did was make him sad. Yes. And that, and that, because, well, not sad, of course. No, of course not. But it, that's how it felt, you know. He, yeah. I, I, by the time I was done with him, he was screaming and furious because I'd exposed his legs and therefore made him feel vulnerable. Yes. Um, and so, the, and just as you say, just in time, he developed the ability to be awake. And so I could finish an happy change, get him all back in his clothes again. He'll just lie there waggling his arms and legs and being very happy. Mm. And that's, that was really important for my psycho- psychological state. Yes, of course. But there was a sense, no positive feedback, no. but at least not just a outraged, furious, negative feedback. Yeah. Take, take me back to the only thing that's important, you ridiculous alienating. <laughs> yeah, so you are not the milk one! Yes. I think it's important for fathers to realise how trivially unimportant they are for a while. I mean, you can be helpful yes. to the mother, but for the baby, you yeah. really are... Bro- if you get a bronze medal, you're bloody lucky. <laughs> yes, you're bloody lucky. And um, it's good to come to terms with that, because, yeah. you know, they will... Co- well, I don't know if it's a, with a boy, you're screwed, but with a little girl, I think, you know, there'll be a time where daddy is very important and is she, the manipulate... You know, I think they'll become a slight enemy with the mother, and then I'll get my moment to <laughs> That's right. have allyship. That kicks in about seven, I think. From seven yeah. to eleven, you get the glory and then yeah. at 11 by the way nobody say goodbye say well That's everybody it, you're yeah you're done until she's at least 19 until the cre- no until the credit card becomes a useful adjunct oh, for true. moments that's for true. moments and then yeah so, um, so that's the way it works. That's in, it's true. No, well, I've great envy and 
very much anticipating uh, a, fr- a friend of mine takes his boy, his three, four-year-old, for walks in the woods, and they talk about monsters. That's good. Oh, that sounds like the best thing in the world. It's going for a walk with my boy. And it's the two of us just chatting. My boy. Exactly. My son. Well, exactly. Doesn't sound ridiculous. If I'm just proud, honestly, that's what it is. It's pride. And just go for a walk in the woods and just talk nonsense about monsters. Hold on, pride. You had a very strict definition of when you were or were not allowed to be proud. Remember, no. you're not allowed to be proud of your country. For example, you said yes, of course not. not because there's no, no personal of... involvement in the creation or establishment of my country. You're not allowed to be I proud of your at least a results. tangential <laughs> role in the establishment of my son. <laughs> so of course, I am allowed to be proud of my son or proud of myself for having my son. Of course, it's your son's destiny. My son's destiny. Yes, yeah, it's, it's his destiny that he'll be controlling. You will have increasingly little to do with it. Well, yes, but right now I'm enormously proud of the situation, and I'm just, I just—I beat. I've not issue. killed or squashed. I know I've kept him alive for four weeks. <laughs> this pathetic thing that can't even hold his head on properly. If is you were laying bets down, I would. Would John keep a baby alive for four weeks? I'm not sure what the odds would be. Mm. I'm, I'm really impressed with done myself. Over. Yeah, without um, minimal, like, minimal help from Laura, but, I mean, she's put, put in a little here and there. Yeah. But the idea of just being able she's to go for a walk pump. with him and actually yeah. com- have conversations with him—oh, that I have such. Uh, anticipatory envy of that um, can't wait well the, even the babbling's fun when it starts Jessica started babbling I mean, it's quite funny because she's one she, she'll point to uh, and she, she has some words but a lot of it mm-hmm. she's decided that words take too long to come so, right. so instead of what she does is she speaks to the other day I saw she was pointing something and I'm not exaggerating I'm not say, uh-huh. saying that and, and she obviously wants something and she was getting annoyed that we weren't getting it so rather than just screaming so full kind of sentence sounds and modulations but just absolute rubbish Did she have a think bubble above her head with the thing that she wanted well pretty it? much she was pointing and gesticulating with her hands that's and a joke everything. for anyone who's the sins yes rather. But it was pretty much like, yeah, it was like a Sims exactly, character. Exactly, that's what I'm it. saying. She sounds like a Sims character. And, and, and uh, that's, that's more, it would be, it, uh, that's funnier than if she'd said a few words. Yeah. But she did, I mean, she did then, she, oh, apparently now when, when Leanna wants to, my, my sister-in-law, when she wants, when she decides she hasn't been fed enough, she'll go, mm-hmm. milk, <laughs> milk, and pointing <laughs> very pointedly at it. So that, that'll be fun. Does it oh, make okay. sense that this thing will be, Answering back, he to makes you. one little verbal now, so it sound now, which has just come out in the last few days. Yeah. Oh God, which is amazing. I'm just like such pure she, joy. Should she, she get the again, Nobel Prize for literature? Not, it's very shit. It's not screaming. Yes, it just makes me so happy. Well, uh, you saw today there was another one. If you get you, oh, the cooing noise, well, yeah, like, yeah. it'll start cooing if you if you put a if you brush. Usually the mother because the mother's got long hair. The mother's hair. Jenny the mothers has, have usually got long hair. Uh, you know. <laughs> They do. These <laughs> ladies have long hair. the hem of her petticoat. No, the hair, no, it doesn't work. It's the hair specifically. Okay, so long motherly hair. Young, long motherly hair. It's going to smell like the mother as well. And the baby will then coo like a pigeon. Ooh. Pretty much Ooh. like that. Yeah. Shall we end this nonsense? Yes, now? let's do that. The podcast is basically just going to be us talking babies. It's now. probably crushed. Before we stop, I wanted to say how... At Ram Doings. Podcom. Pod the the lack of empathy that you can you can't have any empathy for parents until you're a parent. I've learned that as a hundred percent fact. Now I thought I could, but I can't. And I realised that the conversations I wish I would have allowed us to have when you'd had Judith, I didn't know were available to no, have. No, you were so uninterested. Well, I was. <laughs> yes. I was, and, I'm, and I was, and that's for real. And I think everyone is, I and mean, it's just impossible. So I can't imagine how tedious today's podcast must have been for people who haven't had a baby. No, I don't think so because I think they could keep it in. It would be tedious. Mm-hmm. But then, no more the, tedious than any other. But then, no, but then after they've had one, they'll say, "Oh, actually, yes." And no, so they can just store it in there, pop it in their drawer, pop it in your thought pocket. So with, on a rock paper shotgun, I did a, an article. We do a thing called RPS asks. That we just like basically just make fun of ideas for a post and say it just ask a question. We get fantastic responses. Always really lovely uh, replies on these. And so I said, you know, what games do you recommend to play when you've got a baby between you and the computer? Um, and people were just talking about it. And it was, what was really lovely was so many people posting going, oh, that is so, so nice to see this, uh, this parent angle on RPS. And mm. I realised that's a post that's crap for someone who's, you know, 17 and, and wants mm. to, you know. But it was re- there's a huge number of if gamers what you say is in true, with babies. If what you say is true and the average gamer isn't a pimply teenager mm-hmm. in his mother's Well, certainly basement. our average reader isn't. Then there should be an int- of interest. Exactly, to and it's a huge area that's just not being tapped. And I think there are people kind of doing it quite anecdotally. Oh, I have this amazing. Here's an experience I had as a parent, as if it's novel, which it isn't. 
Um, but if you just open the doors to say, hey, let's normalise being a parent and a gamer, turns mm. out there's so many people in that situation. It's really lovely. Well, Judith is actually becoming interested now. She wants to play Minecraft and she's just learning how to use the mouse. Like she was painting on oh, there's an HTML5 painting game and she wants mm-hmm. to play games. I mean, what game do you Lego, introduce somebody who's just turned five? Lego Star Wars, Lego Lego Marvel, Lego Marvel um, superheroes. Can a five, can a five year old control that? I think so, but it's co op, so you can play with her. Or she can, oh, I don't want to play. Just let her play. Um, and you can just run around the Lego Marvel. You can just run around the super, the city, shooting things and are, are the controls very difficult? Very simple. Very. And you don't have to follow eight million rules. And no, you don't. And that's what's good. With the Lego Marvel, is a really good one because you can go off and do all the missions and the platforming bits if you want to but if you don't you can just fly around the city smashing stuff if that, and, and that's entertaining enough where's, where's Frozen the game surely that's going to happen I'm sure that, well, the, the thing is all the movie tie games are a big pile of crap if they did a Lego Frozen well, they probably won't because it's not a trilogy they really need a trilogy to get as much out of those games mm. as they do every Lego game except for um, Lego the movie video game is abysmal real real disappointment well the Lego movie video game's crap yeah. and even hard. though it's made by Traveller's Tale who make all the great Lego games what were the, the major okay this is a, such a sidetrack but the, the, the movie is wonderful have you seen the movie it's such a sidetrack unlike the rest of the podcast no, no, which is always so stopping. on topic we're meant to be stopping on it which are meant to be what are we meant to be talking about today cabbies. Oh, the, sorry cabbies the cabbies. Um, did you see the Lego movie Yes, of course. Which is amazing and incredibly so. subversive. And nah, yes, I think it was that subversive. It is. It is subversive. Yeah. Children's movie. The children's movie that says stop following the instructions you've been given by your parents and do your own thing. Nah. It's fairly subversive. That's as subversive as The Simpsons. No, it's more subversive. It's significantly more subversive than Simpsons because The Simpsons is about I maintaining thought, the status quo. I thought. Quo. I thought that Frozen was a better film. I'm shocked. But then I have a daughter, not a son. That was true. Um, so anyway, so the Lego movie, at least it, ha- it has this angle, which is very much tear up the instructions and do what you want, which is bold for Lego to say as well, bearing in mind they make most of their money by selling franchise instruction-based kits. Um, the video game, they have clips from the film all the way through the game and then emulate different sections for different levels. They strip out every reference to the subversiveness and, and, and have you have to follow instructions all the way through the game. So you get given instruction booklets and you have to find the pieces and build. How tedious. And they cut out every reference to not doing that from the movie. It's like propaganda, the game. It's really weird. Oh, but Lego tedious. Harry Potters are the best ones, but probably too difficult for a five-year-old. Lego Star Wars are uh, amazing, but maybe a little bit too difficult. Uh, Lego Indiana Jones aren't so great Lego Batman's really good but maybe too hard but I would say Lego Marvel I know four or five year olds that are playing that Lego Marvel Lego Marvel superheroes okay and you Ma- get it for your Xbox no just the computer she likes using the mouse oh no you, you play it on a controller on, on a computer either too I don't have a controller you have an Xbox I know you do your wife no it died <gasps> no way it died it got the she used the Xbox to get her through, through the first few weeks of breastfeeding and mm-hmm. the baby would be Locked on. And Laura's used Gilmore people. Girls. Oh, yeah, and actually she she's on te- season five now. She texted me. I used the first season of uh, Once Upon a Time to get through the f- my overnight stints with the baby. I watched mm-hmm. the 22 episodes in four What's nights. that? It's a, a TV show about all of fairy tale land gets a curse put on them by Snow White's mum that causes them to be, turn, come into the real world. Is any good? A ta- a ta- it's really good. Tangle Storybrook. Characters roll their eyes at that joke. Um... Tangle story, but they're frozen in time for 28 years. None of them know who they really are. They all think they're just these people living in this small town. And then the Snow White's daughter, who was magicked out of the thing before the curse, is now 28 years old. She's Cameron off of house. She turns up in town and time stops again. And the, she has a son that she gave up with 18. Who's living Don't with spoil them. it. No, this is the episode one stuff. Uh, she has a son when she was 18. She gave up the son. He lives, is now living with the evil queen's human version. She knows she's an evil queen because she's the one who did the curse. The only other person who knows, I won't say. This, this is Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. And the son knows. The son is a story, a fairy tale. Will I like and it? He, I think so. Okay. He, and the kid knows who everyone is in town and he's trying to convince his mum that he's being raised by an evil witch. In the same way that we all like the introduction of cartoon mores and characters into the real world. Mm-hmm. We both like that. I quite like, for similar reasons, the introduction of fairy tale idiocies into so the this real is what world. It does. does it have the same flavour? It does have that flavour. And so what each episode does is it flashes back and forth between pre-curse and post-curse. So you get to find out the true story of all these characters. And they reinvent this in some really smart ways. Like the Red Riding Hood thing is wonderful. I love the twist. I won't say it on the podcast. Um, the, they do Snow White's kick-ass and awesome. Um, and Beauty and the Beast is a good example of what they do. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin is the ultimate baddie in the show. It's kind mm. of back and forth. Is it Rumpelstiltskin? Is it the evil queen? You don't really know. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin um, 
is uh, Robert Carlyle off of Trainspotting. Absolutely brilliant. He's so good. And he's the he runs a shop. He's Mr. Gold in real world, running a pawn shop. Um, so that's kind of the Robert Stutzkin equivalent. And he in the previous in the fairy tale land, he gets us. He enslaves Belle, the princess character. He gets Belle yeah. as a firstborn child as part of a deal, and that they do Beauty and the Beast. She falls in love with Robert Stutzkin. That's how they do Beauty and the Beast in this story. So like the little twists and clever things, everyone interacting, all the overlapping working all the stories together and then you come to the real world version where they've all forgotten who they are and mm. that's season one and season four is currently airing they did a spin-off show called What's Upon a Time in Wonderland that didn't work lasted 13 episodes and died but the cast looked really good was that Alice in Wonderland? yeah because yeah. that's been in season one you have the Alice in, they end up in Wonderland for one thing with the Mad Hatter which is quite interesting quite Mad Hatter stories oh and there's one episode which is How Come Grumpy is Grumpy and it was unbearable watching that sleep deprived four in the morning it was I, I went to tell Laura about it afterward and that's when I could not cry <laughs> Grumpy starts off as dreamy and there's an episode which is about how he goes because that's the thing that makes the show so interesting no happy endings the curse means there are no happy endings and that means every episode <laughs> doesn't have a happy ending it's brutal it's Brutal viewing because oh, you never. The, the Hansel and Gretel episode has quite a happy ending. So then they screw up someone else's life just afterward, just in case okay. you were like, "Oh, that was a okay. Oh no, it's okay. Everything's gone. Podcast at rumdoings.com at rumdoings. Uh, rumdoings dot com. Yeah, for episodes, tell your friends, tweet about it, podcast about it. Yeah, podcast about. It. Make a podcast about our podcast. Actually, yeah. Can you do a meta podcast? Oh, that'd be great. This week on there's someone talking about the, each episode of yes. rumdoings. That's what we need. Why doesn't anybody do that? I think we need a more creative... Actually, because no, we ignore them. Somebody sent in yeah. a lot of Heaven High compilation, which we just ignored completely for the it last really year. It's really good, too. Yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do it next time. Bye-bye, everybody. We'll do it next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.